You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, Head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 137A of Tales with TR. We're rolling right along. We're in the second week already of 2023, and I hope everybody's having a good time so far. You're meeting all your resolutions. Good things have happened, of course sure it's not the case with everybody, but I hope you're all in a positive frame of mind anyway. I know I am. I just got back from Toronto, Ontario, and I'd like to thank my host, Trans Sandwith. Uh, Sam Man's nice enough to uh, let me stay at his house every once in a while. And uh, it was nice to spend time with him and his kids, Coco and Daisy. And... Uh, a lot of his buddies. We had a we had a nice weekend, partly pleasure, but mostly business. To be honest, I told you guys I had a a drink coming out, and I do. And uh, we're trying to we want to get it done by this summer, so stay tuned. I'm going to need the support of everybody as well. This is new territory for me. Uh, I'm not going to say it was always a dream of mine since I've been five years old. I mean. How would I even know? But uh, or or you know my whole life, but it always intrigued me, and I've worked, you know, for Red Bull. I was on premise, so I was around that with bar owners and sort of things. I mean, I worked for uh, 
Mill Street Brew, we know, Brewery, and we know how that went, or at least a lot of you do. But, uh, you know, I made some good relationships there. I'll tell the story another time. Uh, there were nice people there, but, uh, yeah. There was an incident. Um, and I'm glad to have moved on, to be honest. If you don't know what it is now, it sounds like uh, I'm some comic kind of criminal. Uh, I did a... You know what? I'll post it soon. It's a story. It's a story. No hard feelings. I've talked to the people that worked there with me since, and it's all good. It was uh, kind of, let's just think, a, a woke kind of mindset. Uh, well, you know what? I don't mind it. I, I went in, and they hired me for a reason to bring people in to uh, to Mill Street. It was a dying business downtown. There was nobody there, and it was a nice building. So I did. I did what I could. You know, I tried to think outside the box, and I did. I increased business quite a bit. Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't think I would be at it the rest of my life. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was going fairly well. And anyway, I went in. I'd go in every morning and do like a quote-unquote ad or, you know, it was a post. Anyway, I did this spiel, and I, I shotgunned a beer at the end of the spiel, and I spit my tooth into the empty beer glass. Anyway, it got really. I'm not just saying this now. I'm not. I'm not just saying it because it's my podcast. It's it's in my, you know, my whatever they are, history stories or whatever. Like it's a permanent story on my account and Instagram, so you can just watch it uh, if you'd like. But uh, it got yeah nothing but positive feedback. I just tried to make a funny joke. I I, I equated you know. I, uh, how I knew about drafts being a draft bust and how, uh, Mill Street beer helped me ease the pain and forget about all those missed passes and missed breakaways. Anyway, I just made a little spiel of it and then I shotgunned a beer and got a call from one of the, uh, head honchos in Toronto who wasn't even in Newfoundland and barely, I, I don't even remember meeting him in Newfoundland, so I guess he wasn't here to that point. Now they, unfortunately for them, they uh, closed shop shortly after they got rid of me. They they went out of business. Too bad, but uh, anyway, uh, this dude hadn't really even met me and judged everything on that, and it's unfortunate because uh, business was improving. But if it didn't happen, uh, if that didn't happen to me, to be honest, all these cool opportunities wouldn't uh, wouldn't have presented themselves. So an indirect thanks. You know who you are anyway. So there. So I worked there. But I mean, you know, I had good relationships with people downtown. Then I, I took over for, I guess that was four years ago. And I took over TJ's for three of those years, mainly the pandemic and uh, coming in and, and to and, and coming out of the pandemic. TJ's is uh, the old Turkey Joe's downtown. So point is that I've been in and around the business and it's intrigued me for a while. And then I saw what the guys in Chicklets did with, with Pink Whitney, although really it's just a fluke. It, my, I wasn't trying to mimic them or mirror their actions at all. Uh, I was actually approached by a group that heard I was interested. And I was interested for more than one reason. I can't really reveal it now. I don't want to, uh, there's going to be a marketing campaign coming 
Uh, but stay tuned. Stay tuned, okay? I think uh, we might call it TR's Tonics. I don't see anything wrong with revealing that. And uh, there's going to be a, you know four or five different drinks under that umbrella. So now we're coming up with a logo. And I didn't want the logo. And again, these drinks are something that I've made public for years, for 20 years, that I would like to have these specific drinks that I'm going to come out that I would like to produce something like that. So it's long before chiclets or anything else. But I kind of feel weird about it because, I mean, what did they do? They went out and put out a drink too. And in fact, uh, Big Deal Brewing. Both great drinks for their own reasons, and they promoted them. They marketed it the right way. They did. I, I wasn't, you know, they they have a good product. They're good people. They're good podcasters and uh, nice guys. Great business minds, but because it's the world that we're in, it might seem that I'm trying to, yeah, copy, but it's, it's none of that. It's really none of that. I was approached again by a group that really knows what they're doing. They've done this before. They've uh, produced and sold more than one product and uh, more than one drink. And it, um, you know, they heard about some of the ideas I had. And when you're in and around that for years, you know, I would like I'm saying, I'm, you know, probably five to eight years, but I've been directly involved with, in one way or the other, with, with the selling of alcohol downtown and, the, you know, for years and years beyond that, purchasing of alcohol. And, uh, but uh, anyway, so we're going to have a marketing campaign there. And meaning I'm going to announce it soon. And uh, we're hoping to have it out. I'm saying, I'm saying by summertime anyway, right now, this isn't, this doesn't have anything to do with Shorzy. Although the way I see it, I'm going to be promoting Shorzy and, and, and those things. And if the news I hear, can't say much, right? I'm sworn to secrecy, like with everything I'm going to talk about, but I, I really think there will be a season two of Shorzy. Okay. I'm, I'm, I really do think that for those wondering, um, I really, really think that. So if that happens, um, yeah, I mean, again, I'm not, this, this drink isn't going to be called like the 10, 10 Hitchcock selects or, or, uh, you know, Terry Ryan beer or, uh, and nothing to do with chiclets or or the Montreal Canadiens. It is going to have a vibe. Um, like I said, I think TR's tonics, maybe, and then uh, there'll be a few under that umbrella, of course. So anyway, with that comes a lot of research, um, a team of people to really put a lot of time and energy into this. And uh, I'm learning this business side, so... Each decision to me is a new one, so I like to be hands-on. So I had to be in Toronto um, for a few reasons, that being the main one. And uh, anyway, it's exciting. I'll, I'll tell you all more about it soon, but I'm going to need that support. So right now I know a lot of people are buying books and, and, and things like that, and that's much appreciated. I hope, put it this way, I, in the summertime, I hope to, or whenever we release this, I think it'll be around then. Um, 
you know, I hope to feel the same kind of support because even with the book, I wasn't a published author, but I wrote my whole life, whether people knew it or not, people close to me did. It, you know, I, w- I was very confident in at least putting out a product that I would like, that I knew that some of my friends would like. The book still might be a bit polarizing, I suppose. What I My pet peeve is that people hear the story, say, about the, uh, the uh, transgender person, or they hear a story about me smashing my teeth out with a hammer, or they hear the Mike Milbury story, and then they... They form a judgment, as I see online, and a lot of people didn't read it really. They didn't read it. They heard those things, and they know those stories are in the book, and they'll judge it based on that. And fuck do I hate that. But I'm confident that if someone reads it, those things did happen, but I wrote it in a way. I mean, I think if there's one thing, I know it's slang. It's a lot of dressing room banter. It's not Shakespeare, right? It's it's not even Stephen fucking King. It's, it's, I know that there are, I won't say much grammatical errors because I did it and I had it edited, but, um, you know, I wrote it myself. When I say had it edited, I mean, if there was a spelling error or something, ECW and Flanker really let me write those books the way I wanted to do it. But, you know, the words aren't spelled wrong and the punctuation is in the right places. So beyond that, it's what you take in. If, if you're a, I'm not saying that it's a piece of must read international literature or Canadiana even, but I can tell sometimes that's why I don't go on Twitter much at all. And I don't read the comments online anymore. I don't even mind if someone read it and doesn't like it. That's fine. It doesn't bother me. Honestly, one bit, it doesn't bother me one bit. If you're you and I'm me, you really read that whole thing and didn't like it. I understand totally. There's good books or there's books, I guess I'm not going to say it's a good book, but it's all subjective anyway. And there's books I don't like, but if you, if you make a comment based on hearing me speak at the Carnegie hall in Pittsburgh with the chicklets guys, you know, based on, because that story happens to be in my book or you're basing it on someone's, online review and that's all you read or you're basing it on yeah you know something that you've heard me tell on a bus you know like the i totally respect yeah anybody's opinion i I really mean it like that because i've run into people that aren't you know there's authors or musicians or creators or whatever that kind of wouldn't want to hear that but i don't mind it at all but that's what bothers me it's like a musician if someone comes up and says hey man i love the album and then you get talking about it and they really only knew one song you know like it'll be like hey you know like lots of people i don't know what's a green day american idiot one of my favorite albums from the 2000s i don't know why that popped into my head but a big song on it was american idiot but the whole thing kind of blends together. I mean, I love that album. I, I love the way it, some songs go on for 10 minutes. I love how it all kind of blends together. It's a concept album of sorts. A lot of creativity, great words. I like the instruments. Um, it's as much as I could like Green Day, you know, given they're not the most, what's the word, melodic. But I, I there is a melody, I guess. It's a little hard rock version, punk rock version, I suppose. Classic rock kind of thing. 
And I do. I really, really like it. It's in my top 20 albums ever. But a lot of people have only heard American Idiot. And I don't know if I was in the band and someone came up and said that, they would seem a bit see-through might be the word, but naive and uninformed, right? And that's uh, often, God, I get that a lot. Because people assume because of that the whole book's going to be F-bombs and fuck this and cocks and pussies. And, and it's not. It's a story about a boy growing up, becoming a man and going through a lot, ups and downs, ins and outs and everything. And that stuff really happened to me. And I told it. I tried to write every story that my grandmother or grandmother could read and then at least say, fuck, you know, like I'm not into that, but not a bad story. Or, you know, I see where this guy's coming from. Or, hey, I'm not, I'm not the same kind of person as that guy is, but I can kind of see where he's coming from, you know? I don't claim to be the best person. I don't claim to have the best upbringing or the most important. I don't claim to be the biggest draft pick. I do think there's a lot of unique things about my life. Those are in there. Um, I'm not really, I'm trying to think. I'm not ashamed of anything. There must be something I'm ashamed about. Nothing in the book, uh, and I made sure not to sell anybody out. I phoned everybody ahead of time that might have been in there, That, and I said, this is what I'm going to put in. Are you okay with that? One person, as far as I know, I've said no. That's And he's, he's a good friend. He was just in a position. He was coaching, and he's like, you know, the particular story you're going to tell, I don't know that. You know, it's out there, it's out there. And I agreed. Say, hey, buddy, it's absolutely no problem. So that story didn't go in there, right? So, but the rest of it is, I'm not trying to be Mr. Cool or I'm not trying to brag or any of that. In, in quite, in fact, people that actually read it would see that there's a lot of the other side. You know, it's a lot of how do you struggle with the these expectations and everybody thinking that you think that, right? And then you got to show some level of confidence. Your first round, eighth overall, you got to show some level of confidence. And sometimes you're the furthest thing from it. And so, you know, I was just coming at it from an angle, but this is this is what happened to me. If I wanted to name drop and I wanted to, you know, just the whole, I wanted the luster and the allure of the NHL, you know. I would have just spoken about that. I could easily write a book on my time in the NHL, you know, easily. I could write a book about three months straight of part of that experience or just playing with, I could I write a chapter about each person on my team and what I thought of them. Some chapters longer than others, some are deeper than others. So I could do whatever I wanted. I'm the one with the pen, but I chose to put only two stories in there about Montreal because it was a story, again, about me growing up. It wasn't the story about Terry Ryan and the Montreal Canadiens. It was Tales of a First Round Nothing, which is the way I wanted to frame my autobiography. Right? It's my story. It's not part of one of, of a couple of those years of the story. So I was like, you know, I think Colorado Springs and Tri-City and Hershey and St. John's and Fredericton and Utah and Orlando and Cincinnati, Long Beach and all these places that I, these teams that I'd played for, I thought it all deserved mentioning. How can I, how can I tell my story? 
the Atlantic Coast League was Orlando. But how can I tell my story without explaining that? That was my last year. Yeah, it was the Atlantic Coast League with a bunch of guys who like the cheap seats when we go to our games. Right? I remember that, going to the odd Orlando Magic game. Um, you know, heading down to Tampa Bay, going to a MLB game, whatever. But it was the experience. I did it in the NHL. We did it in style. In the Atlantic Coast League, man, we did it on often two feet, a heartbeat, and a small paycheck. But it, it's my story, though. So I know I probably at, at first could have probably sold more books just advertising the Montreal Canadiens relationship. And a lot of people thought that would be bad. It wasn't. You know, I ended up unfortunately getting hurt and I kind of stormed out. I didn't like Tarion or whatever, but it's magnified because I got hurt and I never played again. Right? If I just ended up playing on Dallas or some other team and, you know, it'd just be a stop along the way. But because my career, you know, lived and, and, and died by the Montreal Canadiens pick and, you know, I didn't get a chance to really rise above the expectations in an injury. Then, you know, it became something else. But I had a great fucking time in Montreal. I'm going there going there in two weeks. I'm taking, I'm, first of all, this weekend, I'm going to Labrador, Goose Bay, and Labrador City, I believe. Maybe two in Goose Bay. But we're going to Goose Bay on Friday, the Habs alumni. Ray John Hull set that up, right? Um, that's He was the GM when I was there. That's the 13th and 14th. And then the January 21st, I'm taking Penny Lane up at Penny Lane up. Uh, we got some alumni seats. We're going to go watch... Um, the Leafs in Montreal. Then we're going down to to visit with Rajon Hul. Like I said, it was the GM when I was there. A lot of people thought I hated him. I didn't. We might have disagreed. I thought I deserved a little bit more of a chance. But, you know, there's contracts and everything involved, too. They're not going to send, I don't know, Jonas Hoagland down or Patrick Poulin when they're getting a million either way, one-way contract, right? I go down to Freddie, I'm getting 60000 I get called up, I'm getting 850000 Right, so if you keep me and you send one of those guys down, you got to pay him a million in the minors, and that's life. That's the way it goes. I mean, at the time, I was more bitter, but it was more I didn't like Michelle Terry, and I wanted out. Like I said, it it ended up looking a lot worse than it was, and little do people know. Honestly, I just said that. A lot of you guys are probably didn't know that. I have a great relationship. It's it's awesome. I'm happy to have worn the, you know, in the end, man. How many people want to wear that fucking crest, you know? And I got to do it. And uh, people there know the story. They, I never, I never went in as some cocky kid. Or I was there a long time too. Right? I was there like when they drafted. I was there every summer, and the one year I was there almost all year. So it's not a games played thing with, with me and the Canadians. You know, I was God going to golf tournaments in the summer and going to. I went playing softball for like a month with Guy Lafleur and other legends. They wanted me to be immersed in the Canadians' culture. Now. Every like three times, I got called up. I remember once wisdom teeth. I broke my ribs another time, um, and you know I chose not to go back to camp because I just wanted to get traded. Like my buddies Darcy Tucker and Brad Brown and Aaron Asham and Matt Higgins and God Craig Conroy and Jim Campbell. You know, it was like Valerie Burray. All kinds of guys were getting traded. Now it didn't happen, and then I got hurt. Now what am I going to do? Right. I can whine about it, I guess, which I did for a bit, but in the that all clears after a while, and you're like, 
you know, you're walking by fucking, I don't know, the source or some electronic store in the mall and there's a big screen on and the Habs are playing. It's, it's impossible. I mean, unless you just totally, I don't know, for me, it's impossible to, to not register some level of emotion watching the Montreal Canadiens who were my favorite team growing up and I did play for. Yes, I fucking could have done better, man, but can't we all say that about something? Mine is a big thing. Anyway, um, anyway, so I'm not even sure where that came from, but my, my, uh, why was I talking about that? Who knows? But going back to the drink, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I guess. So, the, the, so I was confident, that's what I was getting at, in my writing that I knew that it would be, now, it didn't sell like crazy at first, but it came a multiple bestseller, the first one, multiple bestseller. Um, and, you know, because of things like, you know, I'm sure Chicklets helped and last year, Shores even five years after it came out, you know, it sold a lot again. Uh, or, or the Odd Parents on, on, you know, Tim and Sid or the Jeff Merrick show, things like that. You know, uh, Ken Reed always puts in a good word. Those things help. But in, and in the end, I mean, I mean, I don't know what it was. It ended up doing great because of timing more than anything on a few different occasions. But uh, I'm glad I did it the way I did it. I'm glad. I don't mind saying it. I was uh, I needed a lot of money at the time. I needed money. I was way in debt. So 2015. That's so why I ended up going to Toronto and doing stand up. I was getting uh, separated. Danielle and I, and uh, we made some bad financial decisions. And I was offered $50,000 to have it done, written by a ghostwriter. It might not seem like a lot to a lot of you, but it would have solved a lot of problems for me at the time. And uh, they just that's where they started. I probably could have got them up further. And they just wanted me to kind of sell out some guys. Like They asked me about a few players that I knew had dabbled in maybe drugs. But again, it, people, people think when you're in the NHL, you'd know if someone had a drug problem. This particular person might have had some anxiety issues and maybe did it in private. Nothing that I ever saw. And I didn't want to even want to really reveal that. Why do I want to reveal a name and what he might go through? You know, it's like some, it's not up to me. It's not up to me. If someone's gay, it's not up to me to out them. If someone is a substance abuser, it's not up to me. Even though I'm there, I accept one and I am there to talk about the other. Uh, I accept both. I'm saying, um, I still wouldn't be the one, want to be the one to, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be a leaky faucet in public. And, uh, it just, it just, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. And, uh, plus the other side, they wanted to concentrate on like the negative vibe with Montreal, like that whole reason why I left and, you know, and I just didn't want to revisit that. It wasn't worth it to me. So ECW called and gave me a $2,500 advance that I had to pay back myself. So it wasn't a bonus at all. It was a fucking a loan of money. And, you know, I'm glad these years later, because I did think about it, but um, I can certainly sleep better at night knowing that I did it my way. And I thank ECW and Flanker, because not every place led, I mean, I'm not, you know, I suppose I do have an English minor. I have a degree, but it, there are much better writers out there. There are much more accomplished journalists that could have been a ghostwriter, but I guess they saw that 
it's my story and I'm, if nothing unique, might not be good, bad, or ugly, but it's, it's at least been a unique path. And they gave me the okay to write it. Not everybody would. That's why I went with both those companies. The NFL playoff picture is locked in and our go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. All you have to do is place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, don't sweat it. You'll get a free bet backup up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? So... What are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Again, that's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Anyway, I was confident, though, that I could write something that would be okay, right? I knew that some people would at least be entertained. I knew that. Well, they, I'm not saying again for the haters. I'm not saying it was going to get a 9 out of 10 everywhere. But it did get a pretty good rating online, and it's exactly what I thought. Some people don't like it, and it's fair. But that fucking, you know, a lot of people just don't read the whole thing because I'd rather it's a it's a unit. The book is definitely as a unit has a different flavor than just each individual part. The sum of its parts, to me, tells a story about a guy who realizes that in the end, a team dressing room is a metaphor for life. And if you can be a leader in that dressing room and sacrifice for your teammates and roll with the punches with them, and I don't just mean sacrifice and telling secrets or whatever, I mean like, you know, blocking shots and getting in fights and, you know, getting up and not fucking missing curfew you and, and helping them. And if they miss curfew to go up and, you know, cover for them to, to go on the ice and make sure that they're in practice. You know, how's your buddy doing? You want some one-timers, Bobby? You want to go over some one-timers? You help me do my backwards, you know, just to be there for each other. And that spills over. A lot of people, when they finish hockey they don't, or, or any sport, they finish. And they're like, what will I do? Well, you can do whatever you want. Put your mind to it. Go out. Like I said, I, I get a weird folklore English degree. But those traits helped me on set. When I finally got the job on a film set, again, on crew, not acting, crew for five fucking years, uh, it helped. It helped that I, w- I was a good teammate on, on the ice in sports, in baseball, in soccer and hockey. I was a teammate that you could lean on one way or the other. And... uh you know, that's fact. I'm not, might sound to some of you like I'm bragging, but that's fact. And uh, if nothing else, I can't tell you that I had the best wrist shot or, you know, the the best hockey IQ or the best slap shot or I was the best in the corner. I must have been pretty good at, at a lot of those things. I must have been. And it seemed that I was against my peers. I never really had a problem with the game when I got some ice time. Um. But, you know, how good? I mean, it's subjective. I don't know. I'd have to. My draft year was awesome. 50 goals in my draft year. But I also know that 
I had to be on a good team. I had to help that I played with the fucking arguably the best player in the league, Damon Lankow. Right? I think we were a good fit, but I definitely would have had all those points if, if he wasn't on my line. I don't think he would have had them either without me. We help each other. It's a symbiotic relationship. Look at a lot of those teams. I don't know. I can go down the list in the NHL. It's not usually two. It's three or four or five. Right? Each team has a lot of guys that rely on each other for some of those points. And it might not even be on the same line. Right? It might be on the power play. Might might even not be a player. It might be a coach. It might be someone you talk to. But the situation, you know, in my draft year was almost perfect. I was confident in all that. But a guy like Michael Ryder saying his draft year, which was the year after mine, he didn't really, you know, he came out of nowhere. He wasn't as big of, as, a, as a child, you know, dominating minor hockey early on like I was. And a lot of that was size, but when I was younger. But, um, you know, he bloomed a little later in his draft year. I believe Rides was hurt. You know, if, if I had broken my shoulder in my draft year, I wouldn't have had, like, that was just such a great year for so many reasons. I was pretty good going in. I mean, as a 16-year-old, I had 30-something points, 176 penalty minutes, nothing to sneeze at. But I don't know if it's eighth overall on the planet, right? I put myself in the running. The next year, I'm sure scouts were going, okay, let's see what, what happens here. He's not a great skater. Can he catch on? And I did, but if something is an in, if I broke my shoulder, I'm the exact same player. But if I play like 10 games, get 12 points, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm probably going in the fourth or fifth round, right? Probably even lower. I really don't know. But everything got to go right. What I'm saying is that Michael Ryder, I used that example because he came in. I mean, he, he went to the Montreal Canadiens. He's from Newfoundland. He came out just a few years after or a couple years after me. And he gets 30 goals in the NHL multiple times, right? But you couldn't see that in his draft year, right? He's also playing in fucking the Quebec League. Guy from Bonavista with an accent. He's hard, He was hard for me to understand at the time from Newfoundland. You think Ted Hitchcock has an accent? Should have heard Michael Ryder when he was 15 years old. Then he goes up to fucking play in the Quebec League. I went out west, right? English is English. He's living in Hull in Quebec. Trying to, you know, adapt to all that. And again, he's from Bonavista. It's a lot different than being from St. John's. Not only an accent, but opportunity. You know, he's got to drive Clarenville for most of his games. And I mean, he put time in. But guys like that tend to bloom later. Right? So, I mean, who knows? How good someone is is all subjective. But uh, anyway, in hockey and in writing... I'm at least confident because I have experience. My mind is always there in some way. Every day, almost, I either, well, I played hockey, just got off the ice at noon. I skate five at least times a week, okay? And then I'm, and usually those are good skates. Like we go on at noon, the, the, the senior hockey guys during the Christmas and summer, it's all the pro guys. I mean, it's a good skate. And I like to go out there and, I mean, I hate doing cardio at the gym is the reason I do that. And, there's alumni games and there's everything. I always want to be sharp. This particular year is my first year out of senior hockey. It's a bit upsetting, but I, I can't play the playoffs, so what's the point? Why risk it going up to do Shorzy? But anyway, you know, I, and I write every day something, whether it's a cameo or a podcast guest or whatever it is. So those things I knew I could do, but the drink, no. When I went up there and talked to the team, and these guys seem to know what they're doing, they have a nice plan of attack. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to get out. And I'm going to, uh, you know, we're going to start it here in Newfoundland. I'm going to go hard, whatever I need to do. 
I have ideas from my side of it. Again, I'm not involved in that business per se, but I was for a while. I, I at least know the people to talk to, to get on board and uh, try to help help me sell this drink. And I'm going to, of course, you know, and anybody in their in a good conscience that starting something like this is going to take uh, some and make it charitable, right? I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I feel a bit easier asking for people's dedication and uh, attention and commitment. If you're going to buy some of this drink, it's commitment if I didn't give it back somewhat. So anyway, it's a lot to unpack, but it's exciting. And we had a great weekend at it. And while we were there, I got to be honest, I don't talk about it much, but uh, my good friend from Mount Pearl who worked real hard, he's Dave Roper. We call him Rope Dog. And we've been through a lot together. All that senior hockey journey I told you about, Rope Dog was on with me. He's always been, you know, he was around the team, always played a bit of baseball, managed the team. We all played together. And Rope couldn't skate very well. So, although he ended up learning later on, he's fine now, but earlier on, he couldn't make the uh, all-star teams, but he was our real good buddy. He was always around, so he'd tend to an injury. Or, you know, you might say, fuck, I broke my stick. I don't have Rope. Go get one for you. And then we were like, why don't you just be the equipment manager? And he learned how to sharpen skates real well. Then he got picked up to go to some of these Canada events. He came to, did our, did our, uh, Team Canada with the, at the Worlds one year, the World Ball Hockey, uh, senior hockey. He became, you know, he was with us. It was a paid league with, uh, you know, four and five imports, a team there for a while. It was firing on all cylinders. And uh, we were one of the only teams with a legit equipment manager like Rope Dog. And I mean that it really made a difference. He moved on that. He did some midget AAA, and then he got an offer to go down south. He went to the Southern Professional League in Columbus and was there for a year before quickly moving his way up to the uh, East Coast League. Worked hard, man. And uh, he worked his fucking nuts off. And finally got the call from the Toronto Maple Leafs a few years ago. I couldn't have been any more proud of him. And uh, anyway, he uh, he was nice enough. He got me and Sam Man in and Sam Man's daughter, Coco. Showed us around the, uh, I call it Air, Air Canada Center still. Sometimes I still call it Maple Leaf Gardens, for God's sakes. The uh, Scotiabank Arena. And it was a Raptors game day, so it was, it was pretty cool. I, I've, I've never been to a Raptors game. I want to go soon. But it was nice because there was a vibe, and we came out and kind of saw the crowd, and he showed us around the inner workings of the, you know, the uh, parts of the dressing room and things. It was It was real cool. It was real nice. And it was nice to see Roper thrive. Rope Dog Thrive, because uh, if you ask either one of us five or six years ago, you know, we didn't have much of a plan. You know, we would just play amateur sports together and uh, head out to George Street on the weekend. So fortune came a little bit for both of us, but it wasn't without hard work. I can say that at least at least part of my fortune was luck. At least part part was luck. Right? If you're going to say, Shorzy, I'm playing a Newfoundland hockey player, I mean, come on, with no tooth, of which there's only one of, and that's me, the one actor, pro hockey player, actor from Newfoundland with no tooth. That's what the casting call was pretty much out there that said. So I got lucky. I know I put in some time, I know, but a few other ways too, you know, with the whole spit and chiclets that played out. And, you know, it's, it's, it's people that, 
you form a relationship with. And, and, and I, I didn't seek any of that out. It was either luck or having, a, I think, with Chicklets, it was Teddy Purcell put in some good words for me there with Biz. And, uh, you know, with the podcast, it's just been the support of all uh, all you guys that uh, even now I've, I've just been rambling. No plan. I'm just rambling. So I can't fucking believe however many thousands of people are listening to this. I can't believe it. And it humbles me and I'm happy every day. I've been blabbing now for another 40 minutes or so. I don't even know about what. So I appreciate it. Now, you know what? I'll get to an album. I'll get to an album or something. So you got something to listen to that's at least informative. But uh, anyway, I, I did want to say my thank yous. I ended up talking about myself again for a large stretch of this. But the point is, I guess, one of the points is that I, this is a new journey for me getting into this drink. And uh, I appreciate you know, Sam man, Trans Sam with that is really helped keep this idea and this boat afloat, if you will, and uh, pointed me in the right direction. And so he's he's working on this with me too, which is exciting. And the other part of that was that uh, you know, I went up to Toronto, and each time I go, uh, you know, each time I go, I come back with a different experience. It's such a diverse city. And this time, uh, even, even though, you know, I, I know rope dog and everything, it was just, it was nice to go down in the room and see how his place of work has changed from, you know, the, a little sharp skate sharpening shop in the glacier in Mount Pearl to literally the, one of the most historic, teams dressing rooms in all of sports so congrats to the rope dog and thank you to sandman and uh, to all you guys my drink will be coming out soon stay tuned okay let's get to some music okay i don't think i've mentioned this before ryan adams some of you are going to know who i'm talking about ryan adams if I had one flaw with the guy is that he puts out, at least for a while, it was like hard to keep track. It was like five albums a year, right? And then a remix. And then a few years ago, he did the uh, Taylor Swift. What was her big album? Her biggest. Um, anyway, he put that out in exact the, the same album, just in his kind of version, which was pretty good. One would shake it off on it. Um which was pretty good. It's just, he he's doing so many new things, and then you might see that he like did some heavy metal song, and or he's playing flute in some band. I I don't know. For me, it's just like he's all over the place. It was a little too much, Ryan Adams. But uh, I don't. That's that's the flaw. And in that, I don't all like you. He's got great tunes, but you need to almost. He's also in a band called The Cardinals, and they have a song, Magic, that I like, Ryan Adams and The Cardinals. And it's not even a release. Like A lot of people don't even, because he's got so many albums, and you need to listen to so many songs. But like one in every nine or ten is fucking gold, right? It's gold. And this album, this song, okay, is called New York, New York. Now, some of you, I'm guessing, do know the song, but... It came out so you watch the if you watch the video on YouTube, 
It came out in September, it says it right at the beginning, September 7th, 2001, and he's singing in front of the Twin Towers. So obviously four days later that those don't exist anymore, right? Because the planes were flown into them. One of the biggest tragedies in the history of, I, I don't know, in my lifetime that, that I've seen get so close to home. Same for, I mean, can you imagine being from there or being associated with there? I, I'd only been there before. I had a friend, Barry Power, from Newfoundland, lives in St. Louis now. He was in the building and happened to get out. A lot of people didn't um, in one of the buildings. But anyway, uh, so in this particular song, you know, it, and it's it's creative wordplay. I guess, you know, you, you can tell he's, he's chasing a girl to New York and, and he realizes that it's maybe not going to gonna work. And some of the, some of the lyrics, you know, he's, 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 he's to the point, but he's, he's often colorful in his language. Um, found myself a picture that would fit in the folds of my wallet and it stayed pretty good. Still amazed. I didn't lose it on the roof of the place when I was drunk and I was thinking about you every day. The children were singing their tune out on the streets. You could hear from the inside. I used to take the subway up to Houston and third. I would wait for you and try to hide. So, you know, he just really got a crush on this girl. It doesn't work out. And by the end, uh, he's saying farewell to the city. Found a lot of trouble out on Avenue B, but I tried to keep the overhead low. Farewell to the city and the love of my life. At least we left before we had to go. So, yeah, you know, it's just, it, it, he's young. He goes chasing a girl. It's also the big city of New York, and he ends up leaving. But uh, he, instead of calling her by, by her name, he's more enthralled with New York itself. You know, I'll always love you, New York. I'll always love you, New York. And obviously there's a, it's a catchy song as well. And um, so it came out almost immediately when that, when that all happened. I was in Dallas, actually. I was staying in the World Trade Center in Dallas. I was at Dallas camp. You know, that happened. I mean, we were a long way away, but it was the U.S. and like no one really knew how to react. Now, now it seems that crazy shit, not like that, but crazy shit happens all the time. But fuck, man, it didn't then. Like, you know, especially with... And nowadays, everybody can be heard, so there's going to be crazy shit, and it, it drives the news and everything. The news was always driven by negativity. I hate, you know, that's the nature of human. There was positive stories, but always seems to be driven by surprise and negativity to me, and that's to sell the news. But it's a lot more amped up lately, and everybody has a voice, so, you know, you just... It seems that the world has become more extreme, and, you know, and, and everything that happens you know there's been a lot of things happen lately in world history i think that would you at least someone like me would say that will never happen and it has happened and not just political a lot large portion of it political but you know that'll never happen and, and it's happened um back then yeah I, I can't stress to you enough how no one saw that coming planes flying directly in to the twin towers penny lane can you keep it down thanks um yeah you know it was it's hard for me not to even talk about it now without getting emotional it, it was just a crazy time and if you if you want to know how we dealt with that in newfoundland either watch the play 
come from away or just go on YouTube and type in Gander, Newfoundland, uh, 9-11, and there'll be three or four videos come up. And uh, it was, Newfoundlanders really reached out and we were there for, especially Gander, Newfoundland, uh, but, but St. John's and all over. But Gander was crazy. Their population tripled. Anyway, it's, it's a big time story. But everybody in the world was, can't speak for everybody in the world, most people... And, and in, in North America, you know, it was devastating. Here we are, you'd think far removed in Newfoundland from New York, but it was a devastating time. And that video is is almost haunting, but it really hits home. I love the song, I Would Anyway. And, uh, you know, it speaks for a time, even though it's not really about the attack the video came out four days before. It almost seems coincidental would be the wrong word, but um, I guess it could be the right word. But, yeah, I, I guess for lack of a better word that I can find right now, coincidental. And uh, when you see the, you know, and everything that happened and you, you see his video and you, and you see the, the uh, the buildings in the background, standing and you know, healthy for buildings, meaning they're structurally sound. They're there. They're one of the symbols of what a lot of people would say. You know, the greatest city on, on the planet, and uh, at least the one that gives a lot of opportunities, if not the most. And uh, you know, a lot of people see New York as you know, the if the United States leads the world and leads democracy, well then, New York is the city in the United States that represents all of that. And, you know, the land of the free and the home of the brave, the land of opportunity. Um right there it's looking right at you a gift from france statue of liberty right there in the harbor and then you've got you know a few landmarks but the, the twin towers were you know top five if not top three a lot of people would consider them the biggest you know statement about new york why do you think of new york you know if it was a family feud question then twin towers would be in, in the list of answers. And, um, you know, it was just so that, so the song to me represents a lot and, uh, and, and, a, and a, almost a forgotten time. If, if you weren't old enough to know by that point, you know, just think about it. People think about, we used to get on a plane and like they would serve food and they'd have like cutlery there, like knives and, and, and you, not that they, couldn't now used to you don't ever see it and um you know the security check was really laid back extremely extremely laid back just think about it you know i could go onto an airplane and talk my way onto it i could prove to them who i was and they wouldn't even need to see the id people forget that my buddies and i had that conversation the other day that's true um you know there was there was just this laid back 
feeling to traveling. I mean, of course, planes had been hijacked and, um, you know, D.B. Cooper situations had happened. But it just did, when that happened, man, and in, in a lot of people, you know, the greatest city on earth, you know, and we're the United States, and boom, you saw that crazy act of evil and terrorism. It hit home. So anyway, New York, New York, check out the video as much as you'll check out you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to the song, watch the video. And uh, anyway, the second song on the album is called Firecracker, and it's also one of my favorite Ryan Adams songs. That album is good anyway, but it opens with two bangers. If you listen to nothing else, listen to that. Uh, and what's the name? Jesus, the album I think is called Firecracker. Let me look it up. What is the album? New York, New York song. Oh, you're right. It's Gold is the name of the album. I forgot that. The song earned Adams a Grammy Award nomination. There you go. So I'm not too far off base. Um, in 2009, the song was included in, in The Guardian newspapers. Thousand songs everyone must hear. Uh, anyway, that's that. If you're going to listen to this song, you might as well listen to the album. I, like I said, I really like her, Ryan Adams. I loved early Ryan Adams, and that's by far my favorite Ryan Adams album. The second song is as good as the first, but the first being in Firecracker. But New York, New York being the first song is uh, one to remember for a few reasons. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back. Oh, one last thing. Chad Graham, my buddy Chad Graham. Thanks for listening. And I do have to get to this. He, what did he say? It's Snake, Snakes Graham, boy. Ran into him at Christmas time. It was good to see him. Grew up with snakes. Fun fact, just listen to your podcast with Senior. Barry Manilow renamed the song Mandy because he didn't want it confused with Brandy. You're a fine girl by the looking glass. Okay, because we were talking about Brandy last time. And I love the song Mandy by Brad Barry Manilow. So thanks for that trivia, Snakes. Thanks for listening. And to all you people, of course, if you're downtown St. John's and you want a drink, why not go to TJ's? Why not go to Trinity Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, Greensleeves Pub, and, of course, the Bull and Barrel. If you're going to go for a bite to eat, start with Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, and Wedgwood Cafe. Of course, there's all kinds of great local spots. Those are the places that I choose to go to the most if you're going to work out, you want to change your life, you want to think positively, you go no further than power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. Power conditioning, strength and balance for the body and mind. And of course, Mr. Lube, Live Laugh Lube, with locations in St. John's on Torby Road and Cam Mount Road. True hockey, take what's yours. This has been 137A. I'm going to have one of three wicked guests in two days from now. I just don't know who it is, so I'm going to stay shh. I'm going to keep quiet about it. But trust me, we'll be back with a vengeance in a couple of days. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope everybody's having a decent new year. This has been episode 137A. I'll catch you guys on the rebound real soon. <laughs>